0: Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost noon, but welcome to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. I've got a little bit of a rant about dogs. You'll just have to wait and hear what I'm going to say. We've got big news this week with Texas Tech football it has nothing to do with on the field, but all off the field. We're going to talk about the Chiefs and the Cowboys, a little bit about Halloween. I'm going to give you my review of Prodigy. We'll have a little bit of wrestling uh, today, not a lot because not much happened. And then we will end with the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. So let's start off. um, This is episode 20, by the way, and continue to tell your friends about this show. Uh, Let them listen to the show, hopefully so. Um, here's my rant about dogs. So I, I said this in my tip of the week, two weeks ago, I'm a walker. I like to walk, you know, every day. Um, there's a park uh, a few blocks away from my house. So I depart from my house, walk to the park, do about four laps, sometimes five laps around the park, come back, walk around some of the neighborhoods. Um, I like to get a good long walk in It just, it relaxes me. It's good exercise enjoy it. But here's where I get frustrated. And it happened this morning. And fortunately, I'm unscathed. Again, I've, I've always been unscathed, fortunately. But, you know, we have too many people that are not responsible for their dogs. So I'm walking this morning And all of a sudden, this large dog, and I'm not going to, I don't know what breed it was, and that part doesn't matter. This is not a bash against one breed or another, because it doesn't matter. A dog is a dog. It depends on the owner, honestly. But this bigger dog, you know, comes roaring out of this yard. I don't even know if if he belongs to that yard, because, number one, he didn't have a collar, so he didn't have any sort of tag on. But, you know, he's, um, he's literally in the middle of the road. Um and so my my normal response when this sort of thing happens is I freeze. Um and I don't know I read I think I read that somewhere maybe I'm wrong but I read that somewhere I freeze. So I let the dog go, raw, raw, you know, for a while. Um you know, he or she I I here's something you need to know about me. I tend to and maybe this is who knows. I'm probably going to get in trouble with the woke crowd. But I always assume a dog's a boy. I guess a lot of that's because I had boy dogs growing up. We, we always had boy dogs. Um, shout out to Roger, Fred, and George. They were the three best dogs you could have ever had. Just saying. Um, <laughs> but um, so he might have been a boy dog. I don't know. But so I let him bark, you know, whatever. And then once he turns his back to me, I start to slowly back away. And so I get maybe four or five steps in, slowly backing away, turns back again, still in the middle of the road. By the way, cars are coming by, and, and you know, shout out to those that didn't act very neighborly. They probably thought I was some weirdo, I guess, that just kind of drove by, swerved around the dog, and drove on, you know, um, but you know, this dog continues. This was literally like a 10, 15 minute ordeal. And so I slowly back away, slowly back away. In fact, I back into somebody's car. That was fantastic. Um, And so, but finally I'm able to get out of the street, out of that uh, street that I was on and the dog, I guess, goes away. But this has happened several times on my walks and it's like, and, you know, dogs come running up to me, you know, barking and I love dogs. So don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I grew up with dogs. I'd have a dog now if, if I, if I, uh, you know, lived in a, in a house that was conducive to a dog and, um, you know, had was a little bit more settled down because I do like dogs, but you know, take care of your dog. And, and I understand accidents happen and dogs get out, but, there's no excuse for your dog not having their collar, okay? Um, and accidents should be few and far between. There were several times growing up my dogs did get out uh, and run around the neighborhood. But, you know, um, we knew pretty quickly and we were able to go chase after them and get them um, without, you know, any sort of harm coming to anybody. So, I mean, it's just and – I, and I don't know if this is uh, – you know I used to say oh this is a this is a Lubbock West Texas thing because it does happen- it seems to happen a lot, but no, I mean I've encountered it everywhere you know just you got need to be a responsible dog owner and you know take care of your dogs, ensure that they're not roaming around, you know especially without any sort of collar or information on there, okay because my assumption when I'm out walking is that's not a friendly dog. And, 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 you know, I'm not going to do anything mean to the dog unless he attacks me, which I've been very lucky. I've never been attacked by a dog. Um, but you know, that's going to be my assumption is the dog is not friendly and yeah, it kind of makes you a little bit nervous. And, you know, I don't really feel like having to go get however many rabies shots and I think they put them in the stomach, you know, I've been, quite frankly, I've had enough needles in my arm this year and needles in my body this year. I don't want more. Um, but, um, you know, take care, you know, take care of your business if you're a dog owner and, you know, ensure your dog is not getting out. And if your dog is getting out a lot, you might need to look at your walls and fence. Okay. And if you don't, if you're not responsible enough and you're, you don't have the life where you can take care of a dog Then you need to not have a dog. That's as simple as that. Like I said, I would love to have a dog. I love dogs, but I know where I am in my life and where I live, that's just not a feasible option. And more people need to make those decisions. And also to quote Bob Barker, get your pet spayed or neutered too. OK, because that's a whole other problem where, you know, you have puppies that are born that unfortunately are unwanted and then they get dumped. And, you know, where I, I don't necessarily live in a real rural rural area. I mean, I live in a neighborhood, but, you know, I live, you know, pretty quickly, you know, you leave my neighborhood and you're in open fields. And, you know, you hear stories all the time of, you know, people stopping and dumping their, you know, unwanted dogs, unwanted puppies in the fields, this just, you know, that's sad. That's not the dog's fault. It's not the puppy's fault, um, you know, and most dog mishaps, most dog issues isn't the dog's fault. It is a dog. Dogs do dog things. It is the owner's fault, and you need to be a better owner and, ta- you know, take care of your business. Your dog shouldn't be roaming around neighborhoods, you know, messing around with people, okay? So rant over, you know, Again, I love dogs. Like I said, I grew up with dogs. I would had three of the coolest dogs ever. So, um, but, you know, take care of your business if you're a dog owner. So I did not think that would take that long as a rant. And that was not my intention for that to be the top story of this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. Because we, we had major news drop Monday with Texas Tech football. And that is Matt Wells was fired. Um, now a couple things uh, we're gonna talk a little bit Matt Wells first and then we'll talk about the potential coaching candidates uh, that are being looked at uh, first of all I'm not surprised he was fired I, I think like I said last Saturday on last Saturday's episode it was trending that direction um, the Kansas State loss was horrible there's really no excuse you're up 14 to nothing you're up 24 to 10. You have to close that game out and win it. There's just no excuse. And so, to me, it's it was trending towards Matt Wells being fired. To me, the surprise was the timing. Um, I think uh, I thought if they were going to make a mid-season fire, it would probably be after today's game against Oklahoma. Which, just sidebar about that game, I'm. It's oh gosh, it's gonna be. I think rough rough go and um but I mean you have the bye week next week you could have uh then you could have the uh the in three games be coached out I also thought there was still a possibility that you know Wells would coach till the end of the season you know I didn't see them getting I don't see them getting bowl eligible you know I'd I'd love to say oh they're gonna come up with a surprise win at some point but you know I'm just realistic and I, I you know I so I, I thought the scenario was more going to be, you know, we would end up 5-7 and seven and uh, then Wells would would be fired then. Um, so interesting timing, and I think there's reasons behind that, and we'll get to the coaching candidates and other college football coaching carousel stuff here in, in a minute that I think led to the change being made this week and not later on down the road. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about Matt Wells, and just first of all, I want to wish him... Uh, Best of luck, you know. I, it was frustrating, uh, obviously, to watch. Sometimes, I mean, but Lena, you know, let's 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 be honest. Let's understand. You know, Matt Wells was not purposefully trying to lose at Tech. You know, things unfortunately did not work out. Um, you know, and I, I wish him the best. I think he's going to go somewhere else and probably coach successfully somewhere else. It just unfortunately it didn't work out at Tech. I mean. You know, again, we had Cliff Kingsbury. It didn't work out for him here, and look what he's doing in the NFL. So, um, you know, I think he'll be fine. Um, you know, he is getting seven million. Uh, so he's getting a buyout of his contract. And by the way, I don't have any issue with that. Uh, I grew up in a coach's household, and coaches for many, many years have coached without a safety net and to the whims of wacky and horrible administrators that basically. You know, would would fire them on a whim, and then they have to go and find another job. So I have absolutely no issue with with having some sort of buyout clause in a contract. Um, you know, so again, though, I mean, and I was listening to the radio this morning; they were talking about, you know, money is not is not going to make it better. I mean, I would agree. I mean, you know, Matt Matt Wells has a family. You know, I had kids in school here, and you know, I I can only imagine. How rough that would be on them, you know I was I was fortunate I grew up in a coach's household, but you know I was fortunate you know enough that you know there wasn't really a whole lot of you know where we had to pack up and move towns and well, there really wasn't any of that honestly that I remember uh, you know we mostly stayed in El Paso and when my dad switched coaching jobs it was usually within El Paso and and you know didn't really didn't affect me personally as much. As you know, some you know some of the other coaches' households, where you're having to pack up and you know move to a new town and start all over again and everything. So um, you know, I do wish him the best of luck, and and you know, it's unfortunate it didn't work out, um, but you know, I, I think I think it did need to happen. Um, so the, the the timing was surprising, but I do think it did need to happen. So let's talk some coaching candidates. Um, Let me talk about two that one, it's not going to happen. And it's not that I would, you know, it's not that I don't like this person. I just don't see it happening. Um, And then there's one that they should never, ever even talk about hiring. And we'll talk about that uh, one in a minute. But so Sonny Cumbie is the interim coach. And, you know, Sonny. Cumbie has a lot of history at Tech. Um, you know, he was the quarterback here. You know, and, and, and Sonny Cumbie, very unique story and certainly unique now in the days of the transfer portal. You know, um, Sonny Cumbie was someone that walked on at Tech. Um, he stayed for five years, um, stayed and was, was, you know, was the backup of the backup of Cliff Kingsbury, um, you know, when Cliff Kingsbury was here as the quarterback And then, you know, B.J. Simmons had his one year, which – but just a sidebar with that. uh, B.J. Simmons, to me, probably my my favorite of the Tech quarterbacks of all time, um, you know, in in the Leach era. um, And to me, probably the greatest. If you look at the numbers that he put up, I mean, could you imagine if he had been there two, three years? I mean, he he was very – you know, we only had him one year, but – man he was such a talent um, and he's really funny on Twitter too so if you if you're on Twitter follow BJ Simmons on Twitter but um, and you know Sonny cumby waited it out for five years and finally you know he got his opportunity in 2004 and you know it was it was a little rough early going. I mean we lost to New Mexico that year in non-conference play. Um, you know you had the TCU game where TCU was up 21 to nothing uh going into the second quarter and then tech uh, proceeds to win that game 72 to 21 that was that was one of the classic uh, leech games <laughs> and then you know sunny cumby ends up beating nebraska i think that one was 77 to 7 that was that was really fun too that was when that was the year after nebraska messed up and you know ran off rick solich um, but, it, you know, and then Sonny Cumbie goes to the Holiday Bowl and proceeds to beat Marshawn Lynch and Aaron Rodgers and Cal in the Holiday Bowl. So, I mean, he's got a lot of history here at Tech. He um, he, he ended up uh, coaching here uh, the last year of Leach's, uh, Leach's coaching uh, season. Uh, Cumbie was like a grad assistant. You know, he was here with Tuberville, stayed with Cliff, and then he departed, went to TCU for a while, and then came back this year to be the offensive coordinator. So um, I like Sonny Cumbie. Um, I'm I'm glad he's going to be the interim coach. I think that was probably the best decision they could have made. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people talking about, well, if they, you know, if they win four straight or if they win a couple, you know, Sonny Cumbie should be considered for the job. Um, well, first of all, I don't see them winning four straight. I think two straight is a stretch as well. I think I th- I really think the best option is going to be one, and even then, I'm looking for well, which one is that going to be? It's not going to be today, that's for sure. But um, you know, I, I I just you know, and we're, and you know, I heard this on the radio this week. If he's not if he's not your guy now, are you really after four games? Is that enough of evidence to? get him the job. And I just, I don't, I don't think it is. And, you know, that's not to say that I dislike Sonny Cumbie or he's awful and, you know, and I mean, I wish him the best of luck wherever he goes. I mean, I think there certainly could be a chance he might stay, um, you know, and be retained. I don't know. Um, But I don't, I don't think that's the route we should go um, with this next hire because this next hire has to be, a quality it doesn't we don't you know we don't need the coach to win the press conference all that but we've got to hit a home run here because for a variety of reasons tech football has been on life support for 12 years and i'm not going to go through the litany of reasons why i've done you know listen to past podcasts but um we're the big 12 the conference is changing with texas and oklahoma leaving Um, this is an opportunity with texas and ou being out of the big 12 this is an opportunity for Texas Tech to be in that upper half of the conference and, and quite frankly, compete for championships. That should be the standard. Um, there is absolutely no reason with Texas and Oklahoma gone that Texas Tech should, should not be in the conversation every year as a contender to win the Big 12 um, with the resources that we have, um, and with the facilities that we have, what, what, it's been missing, uh, the past 12 years has been, we've not hit a home run on the head coaching hire. Um, and you know, quite frankly, we've, we've had issues with, <coughs> excuse me, we've had issues with coordinators as well and, and everything else. And so I think you really have to nail this coaching search. I think also Kirby Holcutt has to really nail this coach coaching search, um, you know he's he's on the hot seat, and you know that's may not be fair because you know he's done a lot at this university, and you know I would if you if on a scale of one to ten, if you t- uh, ask me to rank rate uh, Kirby Holcutt as a as a athletic director, I would say a nine. I mean every other aspect of Tech athletics has just been um, positive. Um, other than football, and then you've had issues in girls' basketball as well. But I mean, I think those were issues even before Kirby came on the scene. He he made some bad decisions on hires, but you know, again, and, and, and quite frankly, and I know this is not a sexist statement; it's just fact. Your average fan's not going to care about what's going on in the women's basketball program. Just saying, um, but football, Kirby's dropped the ball multiple times with multiple hires. Um, you know, hiring Cliff. I think in hindsight that was um, at the time that was a good hire. We needed a hire to unify the fan base because the fan base split when Leach left, and Tuberville did nothing to help that. I th- I think Cliff could have been successful, um, but he made some really bad hires um, with assistants and other things. I think where Kirby really stepped in it with Cliff was after the eight and five season, giving him the long extension. Because I think Cliff would have been gone a lot sooner um, without that extension, um, and then Matt Wells was Cliff uh, was Kirby's guy. I mean, everybody else kind of when Matt Wells was hired was like who? And Kirby, you know, cashed in a lot of chips, and he had a lot of chips to cash in. By the way, because remember this was this was a hire that took place in 2018, when you know baseball's rocking and rolling, going to the College World Series. Um, 2018 we're coming off tech basketball going to the elite eight and we're in the final four national championship uh, game season. And then track is on its way to its national championship. So Kirby was, I mean, he had a lot of chips in 2018 to cash in to hire um, Matt Wells and a lot. I mean, myself included when, when that hire happened, my thinking was okay. I don't know if this is the best hire, but I trust that Kirby made a right decision. And I was not one that jumped quickly off the Wells wagon. You know, a lot of people after four and eight, the first season, were like, "Oh, this guy's went in, in over his head." You know, I knew that we were in for a little bit of a rebuild, um, just because you know Cliff kind of kind of left the cupboard empty. Um, you know, for me, the, and then the second season, there was some baffling stuff. There was no reason they should have lost to Texas in the second season when you're up by 14 with three minutes left. Um, Oklahoma State, they should have won that game. Why are we onside kicking, you know, when we have all the momentum? That was not a good, not a good uh, plan at all. Um, and then, you know, the continued just losses to Kansas State baffled me. Um, it's just extremely frustrating. And to TCU, by the way, too. Um, but, um, you know, Kirby's got to nail this higher and, you know, for his own future, um, which I mean, I, I'm i not sure how long he's going to be athletic director anyway, because I think um, I think really with this new instituted Big 12, I could definitely see him moving on and maybe becoming the Big 12 commissioner. And I think he would do very good at that job. I mean, uh, quite frankly, he's kind of operating as the big 12 commissioner anyway. I mean, Bob Bowlesby, his face has been on the milk carton since Texas and Oklahoma left. Um, you know, it, it, from, from outsider looking in, you know, Kirby kind of was the, kind of the leading force along with some of the other big 12 athletic directors in bringing in Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, and UCF. And then I think continuing to look at how can they expand further. So I think he probably is not – I think he's on the back end of his um, time as the athletic director at Tech. But I think if this football hire does not work out, it will kind of hasten his departure even further. So the other guy I want to talk about um, that – We need to stay away from, and this is a guy that no, we don't need. I I don't like him, quite frankly, and most people don't like him, and that's Art Briles. It it baffles me to no end that there are tech fans that have this this view that the way for tech football to be relevant again and to win championships and all this other stuff is Art Briles. Okay, in case you've been living under a rock for ten years. Art Briles was the coach at Baylor when all of the sexual assault scandal came out, and he was fired, and he deserved he deservedly so got fired um, for what went down at Baylor. And if you you know if you need to go do further research, do further research. But you know it was a horrific situation at Baylor, and I know it was not just the football program. You know this was a situation. Uh, the president of Baylor on down, a lot of heads needed to roll and they did roll because there was a lot of cover up uh, with what was going on at that university. But the football program is was one place that there was tons of cover up and Art Browse was a party to it. By the way, his son was too. So I mean this whole business of, well, you know, maybe not Art Browse, but let's hire Kindle Browse. No. We do not want anybody associated with the stink of what happened at Baylor to come to Texas Tech, winning is not worth that, and you know what? What a what a horrible look when you that we would we would be projecting if we did that, um, you know. So no, no, to, no to Art Briles. Um, even and by the way, even if you assume. He was completely 100% innocent of what happened at Baylor, which is not true, by the way. There's evidence, and don't don't tell me, well, the NCAA cleared him. The NCAA cleared him of NCAA violations, not criminal conduct, because the NCAA cannot prosecute for criminal conduct, and there was criminal conduct. There's text messages and evidence and everything. But even if you assumed that Art Bryles was 100% innocent with what happened at Baylor. The guy is 66 years old. He has not coached in college football since 2015. And so this assumption that he is the great hope that when he comes in he's he's like the Nick Saban of tech is just that's not realistic. Um that's just not a that's not realistic at all. Uh you know, you hire Art Bryles, you alienate probably more than half of your fan base and I just I I don't see championships coming from that, uh, you know. I think I think he's he had his time when he was at Baylor um, for those few years where they were on top of the world, and we saw what kind of house of cards it was built on, and it's come crashing down, and it needs to stay crashed down. And Tech does not need to go and pick off the carcass of Baylor stink um, and bring and bring them here, okay? Because also look at how Baylor has done post Briles. They've done pretty good, so it wasn't you know the Baylor Baylor football program, and its success is not just because Art Briles was there. Matt Rule did fantastic there, parlayed that to an NFL job. Dave Aranda, by the way, former tech guy that we could have gotten back in twenty eighteen, um, he parlayed he's parlayed uh, uh, that into some success as well. And you know, so th- this idea that it's Briles is the is the name that makes tech football great again. It's just just not true. So most likely at this point, let's let's get to the two candidates because there's two uh, candidates at this point that are probably in play. Um, the first one is Sonny Dykes, um, who is at SMU. He uh, ha- obviously he has history with tech. He was his dad is Spike Dykes, who coached many, many years at Texas Tech. Uh, very successful at Tech. Second, second winningest coach only to Mike Leach. Um, and then uh, Sonny Dykes also was an assistant here at Tech when Leach was the coach. By the way, also, you know, everyone wants to poo-poo on Leach and how, oh, he wasn't successful here. Go look at the amount of assistant coaches that he had, coaches on staff that he had that are have been successful as head coaches. Yes, Art Brawls was successful, even though it was through sleazy means. Dana Holgerson, Sonny Dykes, Lincoln Riley was there. Cliff, Cliff is successful as an NFL coach. I mean, you know, Ruffin McNeil, he was successful at East Carolina, and then they got a big head and ran him off. So, I mean, the, Mike Leach had a fantastic staff for many years, and to me – we haven't had that sort of fantastic staff since he left. I mean, name the last good assistant coach at Tech. That's certainly not defensive coordinator. So um, so Sonny Dykes is one of the candidates. Um, I think he would be a solid choice. Um, if you had asked me last Saturday when, you know, my frustration was pretty boiled over, I was like, Sonny Dykes would be my guy. Um, and, I, and I think he would st- still be a very quality hire. Um, he is – I mean, he's undefeated right now at SMU, um, which that's a place that is difficult to win as well. Um, He was very successful at Louisiana Tech. Um, Now, a lot of people will say, well, you know, he flamed out at Cal. That was not a job he should have taken in the first place. Um, But, I I mean, I understand that was, you know, when you're a a mid-major college coach in a a college from one of the, you know, big conferences comes calling, you – I mean, you tend to go, but, I mean, that was not that was not a good fit for him. But even then, I mean, he still had a 10-win season, um, took him to a couple of bowls, and it just kind of fell apart at the end. But, um, you know, I think he would be a quality hire. Um, Sonny Dykes has been out recruiting uh, Texas Tech in their own backyard. Um, you have tons of uh, kids from Lubbock that have ended up at SMU. You know, Lubbock Coronado had a very quality – A couple seasons um, last year and the year before and and, I mean they had some very high division one quality kids I mean their quarterback is at Mississippi State um, but you know Sonny Dyke swooped in and he got a lot of those um, players from that those good Coronado teams um, to come play at SMU and by the way it wasn't just SMU that this is a problem at I mean if you really look at um, the recruiting, and this goes back to Cliff. It's not just Matt Wells' issue. Um, tech has done really a poor job of getting those quality Division One prospects in their own backyard. I mean, they have a few, but um, a lot of them have gone to TCU. Uh, Lubbock Cooper, uh, uh, you know, Sonny Cumbie, when he was at TCU, seemed like he was a regular fixture getting those, those uh, players at Lubbock Cooper. Um, you've had players, Lubbock Estacado, um, is another uh, another place where you've got some high-quality player, players and they're not going to Texas Tech. And then you've got uh, Tascosa up in Amarillo, uh, who is, I think they're number four in the state right now in 5A, and there's no pipeline to Tech. They're going to other programs. And, you know, to me, you've got to win in the, quote-unquote, the I-27 corridor um, if you're Tech. That means... The best of the best in Amarillo, the best of the best in Lubbock, the best of the best in Midland, Odessa. They their number one option should be to come to Tech, and we should be in those kids' living rooms trying to get them to come. Um, there's there's no excuse for losing those battles, um, and Sonny Dykes has done a great job of of doing of of getting those kids. So I think he would be a very solid hire um and like I said last last uh Saturday he was he was my you know number one above all else. Now, if they hire him, will I be happy? Yeah, absolutely. I think he will do well here. I think there there's a couple of problems um that one is out of Sonny Dykes's control, one is is in his control. I think number one um Is I think SMU is getting ready to offer him a pretty significant contract, and um, I think it's gonna make it a little bit of a harder choice for him. And you know, maybe I I would under completely understand if he does not want to come to a job where uh, you know, his dad was the head coach at one point as well. Maybe you know that that's just something he'd like to build, maybe uh, his own legacy, which which I think he's doing at SMU. there's also this, and, and, and this is the part that frustrates me. There's a lot of Tech fans that look at Sonny Dykes and say, well, we don't want someone that's associated with Tech. That hasn't worked out. And, the, and obviously what they're alluding to there is Cliff. Cliff and Sonny Dykes are two completely different people, two completely different experiences um, coaching-wise. Cliff had never been a head coach. He had only been a coordinator, I think, for a couple of years when we hired him at Tech, Sonny Dykes has been coaching for over twenty years now. Um, as an as an assistant, as a coordinator, as a head coach, um, he has he has he has a lot of experience, and you know I think he would be very successful here. I think I think the biggest issue is going to be. You know, does he does he want to come back to tech or not? And I do think there's going to be some in the search committee that are going to knock it, knock against him that, oh, well, he's associated with tech. And we saw how that worked out. I would also answer, well, Tim Tadlock was associated with tech. How's that worked out for all of the bad mouthing I've done in the in this podcast? Chris Beard was associated with tech. That worked out pretty well, too until he turned his back and became Judas Country Club Beard. So um, I don't think that being associated quote unquote with tech should be a disqualifier or a qualifier either. Um, but so he's one of the candidates. Um, the candidate that seems to be gaining the most traction right now is uh, Jeff Trailer at UTSA. And, you know, when I first heard his name and, and the fact that he was a candidate, I thought, well, this guy sounds like Matt Wells 2.0. He's in a mid-major conference. You know, how is he different than Matt Wells? And there are some differences. Um, You know, number one, um, he has experience with uh, being a coordinator at major programs. He was at Texas. He was at Arkansas. And so he does have that experience as far as the level of competition that Matt Wells didn't. Um, also, I think, and this is something that I think really ultimately what led to Matt Wells' undoing, is Trailer has experience and lots and lots of connections to the Texas high school football scene. Trailer is a former Texas high school football coach and very successful one, won state championships. And so... Um, and he's, he has really built up that UT uh, San Antonio program, you know, so much so they're undefeated right now. And, you know, they're going to be moving on to the AAC. So he is going to be, and uh, he's going to be leaving that program better than they found it, which by the way, make no mistake, trailer is going to go somewhere. Why not be tech? Um, you know, and so I think trailers, I think trailer would be a solid hire. Um, I think the biggest issue and this is one I don't really fear as much because of if this happens, we've got good circumstances here in the football program is, you know, I could definitely see trailer being someone that, you know, if it's not working out at university of Texas with Sarkeesian and trailer comes into tech and he gets this thing rocking and rolling, I could see UT come calling and he would go. Um, now that that would stink. <laughs> it wouldn't be it wouldn't sting as much as when Judas Country Club Beer did, because you know, he really invested in this whole, you know, persona of, you know, we're Lubbock and I'm part of y'all. Mama called home, blah, blah, blah. Um, but um, it would still hurt and you would still and you'd have to deal with those dumb UT fans about, well, Lubbock's this or that or the other, which by the way, half the people that, well, not half the people, most of the people that bash Lubbock and West Texas, they've never been here and they have this like image that we're just dusty old town and we barely have indoor plumbing here, you know, we got an airport by the way, and it's probably easier for me to get to the airport in Lubbock than it is to have to fight the stupid traffic in Dallas, Fort Worth or Houston or Austin to get to their airport, so Boo on you is what I say. And if we're so terrible, then how about you quit stealing our oil, UT and A&M to finance your $90 million football coaches? Just saying. Cause all, all the, all the oil money that's in West Texas. It's not in your dumpy little Austin or dumpy little college station. Just saying. Okay. Soapbox dismount. <laughs> but, um, you know, that would be my only fear. But again, I, You know, I I hate hearing that from fans. Well, you know, no matter if we get a successful coach, they're going to leave in three years. If they're leaving in three years for a better job, that means that they've made tech football relevant again. And tech football is a successful program. And there's no reason that then Kirby or whoever the athletic director is can then go out and get another quality candidate because he's made it a better job. So um, I think either dykes or trailer would be a good hires I think it's trending towards it's going to be trailer um, and I think he would I think he's going to be a successful coach I think the key is going to be who is he going to bring in as coordinators which there was some good news this week out of the tech athletic department that they're going to pay more. Four coordinators. The coordinators for the next coach are going to make seven figures, which that's been needed. And that's I think that's been another issue that's plagued tech football the last decade as well. Now, um, we may be in some competition for trailers services, and we may be in some competition among a Big 12 foe for trailer services because there's a lot of smoke and fire that um, – The TCU brass are ready to get rid of Gary Patterson, and Trailer would be their number one guy. Um, Now, there's a lot of pundits that say, "Well, then, you know that's a no brainer. Go to Fort Worth. You know TCU's the better job." To quote Lee Corso, "Not so fast, my friend." Um, You know, if you if you ever watch TCU sport athletics and anything. There's not a lot of fan support. Um, every time Tech goes down there and plays, there's more Tech fans than TCU fans, and that's for all sports, including football. So you know TCU doesn't own Fort Worth, and they don't own the Metroplex. Um, you know they're in they're in a more populated area um, than Lubbock is, obviously, but they're not this they're not this ginormous program. And, you know, like UT or A&M is in the Fort Worth market. So I would still argue I think tech is a better job than TCU. TCU's had better success, and I think there's a variety of reasons behind that. But in football, by the way, in other sports, tech's dominated. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think tech would be the better job. And I think there's more upside with tech. Than TCU, But, uh, you know, I I, I recognize I am biased in my opinion as well with that. So um, bottom line, I I think we're not going to hear much probably in the next couple weeks, um, you know, because both of these coaches still have teams that are undefeated. Um, You know, SMU's got a a pretty, pretty uh, big game today against University of Houston. Um, And then, you know, UTSA, and this is going to sound funny. And I know, but it's 2021, and you know what a wild, wild world we live, wild world we live in. Uh, UTSA's got a big game coming up against UTEP next week, um, probably for the Conference USA Western Division title um, in El Paso. So, um, which, by the way, is someone that I do like UTEP. Um, I, I'm real. I'm hoping that maybe this whole coaching search distracts UTSA, and that will allow UTEP to kind of swoop in and. And get the win, but we'll we'll see what happens. That'll that'll be a fun game to watch. And UTEP's got a got a tough game today anyway against Florida Atlantic um, in in Boca Raton. And UTEP has never won in the Eastern Time Zone, so you know history's not really favoring them today either. But we'll see what happens. But that's kind of where we are in the coaching search. Um, be interesting to see what happens. But um, I think really either of those choices are going to be good. But you know this is. We need to, we need, we need wins in football. Um, I'm tired of it. A lot of people are tired of, uh, the football program just being trash, quite frankly. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of trash, let's talk about the, let's talk about the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Um, but, um, chiefs, uh, this week, they get the, they get the giants, which this is a good week to get to play the giants for, for Kansas city. Um, I said last week on the podcast I thought the Chiefs were going to lose to Tennessee, but I did not foresee them just getting uh, ran out of the building um, like they did last week, and uh, that was rough to watch. And it's it's the same old, same old what we've seen all season with Kansas City with the Chiefs is the defense is horrible, and I think because the defense is so horrible, Patrick Mahomes feels like he has to do more than he needs to, and – I've seen this script before, by the way. This was 2015, 2016 at Texas Tech. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes probably felt like he had to score on every on every offensive series at Tech because our defense couldn't stop anybody. And I think the Chiefs are in the same boat um, right now. They can't stop anybody on defense. But th- again, the good news is you get the New York Giants, who are probably. The 31st or 32nd worst team in the NFL um, on Monday Night Football, and the good news too, by the way, is the Manning Cast is back. Um, this well, they came back last week, but they're they're going to be on again this week for Monday Night Football, which makes which makes Monday Night Football more entertaining, and which will make probably what what's going to be a romp of the Giants more entertaining. So, um, I think the Chiefs will win pretty easily this week, but they're they're uh, obviously solidly in danger of not making the playoffs. Um you know, it's going to be I think it's going to be a continued rough season um for this Kansas City Chiefs team because th- there's just no defense there. And I've seen that script and I've seen that movie before where Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a defense and he has to do everything. That's not going to end well. And then we've got the Cowboys which surprisingly are I mean, they're doing very well. They're they're one of the top teams in the NFC. They they are going to be playing uh, the Vikings Sunday night. That's a the Halloween night game um, at Minnesota. Let's hope we don't have to hear the stupid Viking gong too many times, Viking horn or whatever it is. Um, I think the Cowboys should win this game. The Vikings are not are not a very good team, and I think the Cowboys to prove that they're a good team need to come in play strong, get a good good win out of this, and then move on. Um, we'll see what happens, though. But, you know, they're, they're certainly – I think the Cowboys certainly are going to be in the conversation uh, come playoff time as far as favorites to win the NFC. Um, they need to get past the divisional round, which they haven't done in 26 years now. And, I, you know, I still would put teams like Tampa Bay um, and the Rams ahead of the Cowboys – um, the Cardinals are, I think, are still going to be uh, in in that conversation as well. Um, I, I'm not, even though the, they beat the Cardinals this week, I'm still not sold on the Packers. Um, I think there's still uh, going to be enough opportunities for Aaron Rodgers to blow up that team, and then then they will uh, flame out in the playoffs um, like they have the last few years. Um, even even you know, getting the championship game and just having just no showing the NFC championship game. Um, so I think that that's still uh potential um, as well. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, still, you know, we still got several more months in the season. But, you know, I think the Cowboys certainly should be in the conversation um, for the NFC. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Halloween. And so the big, big news, uh, Halloween coming up. This week, uh, let's let's talk about what what I like about Halloween. I'm not this huge Halloween fan, but um, I do enjoy um, I do enjoy some Halloween movies. I like really more that once Halloween's over, it's time for the season of Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday, and then we're moving into the Christmas season. Um, so. My typical holiday ha- Halloween plans. I usually like to watch a couple Halloween movies. I'm not this huge Halloween movie guy, um, but I like a couple of them. I like the original two Halloween movies. I plan on watching the third one this weekend, which doesn't connect to the first two, but I um, never seen it, and I, I do want to see it and kind of just uh, I'll kind of see what it's all about. Um, as far as trick or treating goes, especially with the Cowboys being on Sunday night my lights will be off and it's football time at my house so um, i'm not really and, and honestly i mean i've lived in the same house now for going on 7 years and i've never i mean first couple years i got i bought candy and kids didn't show up so uh, trick or treating it to me i think there's so many alternatives now uh, that you know kids really don't trick or treat anymore um you know you've got all these you know trunk or treat things like that that take place So have a happy Halloween. Uh, You know, stay safe uh, if you're going out and uh, soon to be Thanksgiving. Woohoo! So let's talk a little bit of Prodigy. So we had our first uh, Star Trek Prodigy uh, episode drop on Thursday. It was an hour-long episode. And I got to say, I I really enjoyed it overall. Um, My only quibble was I would have loved to see them... Get on the ship quicker and then depart. That was kind of the end scene, but I understand why they had to set everything up. They, uh, I thought they did a really good job of introducing us to the characters and uh, getting some of their backstories. I'm still intrigued about how we have uh, Tell- Tellarites and Brakars um, in the Delta Quadrant, and I think we're going to get more of more of that uh, solved soon as well um, as this as this show goes on. Um, but you know, I, I think it's a great show. It's, it is a kid's show. And so it is aimed at kids. Um, but I think as an adult there, especially if you're a Star Trek fan there, you're going to find plenty to enjoy with Prodigy. Um, so I would recommend it, uh, for anybody, especially if you have kids, if you want to introduce them to Star Trek, Prodigy, I think is a good way to introduce them. Um, and what's interesting, there was an interview with, uh, Kurtzman that is the, um, you're kind of the head of Star Trek right now. And, you know, he basically confirmed that, you know, if everything works out with prodigy that, you know, they may be looking at maybe doing like a feature length movie, um, with prodigy. So that'd be kind of interesting to see, um, if they go in that direction. But I, I am looking forward to next week, next week's episode. Cause we're going to hopefully see a little bit more of the Janeway character, um, than we did this first, first episode. um, Couple things uh, on wrestling. There wasn't a whole lot of movement this week. of Storylines, and honestly, I didn't. I didn't watch Raw this week. Watched a little bit of SmackDown, but um, you know we're. I guess we're building up to the Survivor Series pay per view. Um, probably the most interesting drop this week was the WWE released their pay per view schedule for 2022 and they're going to do some more stadium shows beyond Wrestlemania so Wrestlemania is going to be two nights again in um, it's going to be at the Cowboys stadium this year but they're also doing money in the bank at a stadium they're going to be doing SummerSlam at a stadium so kind of kind of be interesting to see um, and then Royal Rumble as well as, as at a stadium but um, you know that's that's interesting to me and I don't know if this is in response to AEW uh, competing with them or what, but um, that's interesting to see. But really, as far as other stuff with wrestling, not a whole lot of movement this week on storylines. So we're going to take a break now. And when I come back, I will give you my Chris Carpenter tip of the week. Welcome back to the Chris Carpenter show. And it's now time for the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. And this week's tip is going to deal with Christmas decorations. Um, I saw several polls on Facebook from news stations this week that talked about when is the appropriate time to put up your Christmas decorations. And you know, there's obviously a lot of debate about that. You know, should it be after Thanksgiving? Should it be, you know, not till December the 1st? When should it be? So Um, You know, growing up on my household, we were usually a after Thanksgiving, you know, that Friday decorating, uh, putting up the tree type of family, which that's fine. Uh, You could do that. Um, I will tell you my plan for putting up my uh, Christmas trees and I have two trees this year. I'm excited. I got a new I've got two little mini trees, but I have a um, I'll have one mini tree that will have my traveling ornaments. These are ornaments that I picked up in my various travels. You know, through the years, and then I'll have my uh, regular tree. I'm putting them up um, November the 12th. And uh, the reason I'm putting up November the 12th is I would like to in, have several weeks to enjoy my Christmas tree. And, you know, I, I usually tend to travel for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so um, I want to get it done before Thanksgiving, but I want to have time to enjoy my decorations. And so, the Chris Carpenter tip of the week this week is you put up the Christmas tree when you feel like it. If you want to put it up before Halloween, put it up. If you want it when the, when the clock strikes November 1st, put it up then, put it up. Um, you know, there's, there's really no set time to put up your Christmas tree. Um, you know, it's all about enjoying your decorations and enjoying the season, And so, you know, put up your Christmas tree whenever you want. And if someone ridicules you, that says more about them than you. So anyway, I hope everybody has a great week. Happy Halloween. And I will see you next week for next week's edition of The Chris Carpenter Show.